Yes, yes. You're a menace with that sound, boy. Uh, it brings me so much pleasure. Just like Garris would. <laughs> Who would be the NBA player to yell their own name? Um, Russell Westbrook. J.R. Smith. While he runs the wrong way. <laughs> or Dion Waiters. Dion Waiters. <laughs> this intro is a mess. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. To a very special playoff edition episode of Hoop Dreams, the basketball podcast on 8-Bit, powered by our pals at Audio-Technica. My name is Matt Tilby, and I am joined by the Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton of 8-Bit. I'll let you decide who is who. It's John O'Peck and Brendan White. Boys, can we calm it down, please? (laughs) No promises, but uh, we'll try our best. Some decorum. You can just edit us down if you need to. I, I may well have to. Cannot be but, silenced, uh, damn it! <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're uh, we're in full swing. We're in neck Playoff deep basketball, baby. We're things in the, are getting the, ruckus. The good stuff, the real meat, meat and potatoes of uh, of the NBA at the moment. But uh, how you've been finding it, boys? It's been a lot to to handle for all of us. It's been yeah. so good. I'm so good. really into it. I'm watching a lot more basketball than I have all season. Just trying to catch as much as I can. Anytime there's a close game, especially, I'm tuning in for that fourth quarter. And there's been a lot of blowouts the last couple of days. So it hasn't been quite as you know intense as the first few days of playoff basketball. But the series are getting interesting as far as the you know the the results. So yeah, plenty to talk about. There is plenty to talk about, and as you uh, correctly just uh, pointed out there, a number of the series so far have uh, either been tied up or are pretty neck and neck. We're going to jump straight into it uh, with my takeaway from, uh, I guess, the first sort of couple games of these playoffs. And uh, Phoenix versus the Lakers, it it shows no sign of of slowing down, does it? Yeah. Look, I'll I'll be I'll be perfectly honest. I gave us no hope after Game Three. Oh. We we were a train wreck in that game. You but... still give your team no hope now. Like you are, like we're talking you off off the edge. It feels like every few hours you're like, you know, there'll be one like they might not even be playing a game, and you'll just be like, "Fuck the Bron, these sons, I hate these guys, and we're done, we're ruined." And then, you know, hey, we like, keep that we keep that Facebook group on the download. Oh Thank God, you. It's yeah. for us. It's private, <laughs> so I can vent my frustration. It's the it's, roller coaster um, ride of Tilby's twelve months of being a Phoenix fan is just amazing. Like it started I, with, "Oh, no, we signed Chris Paul. This is a disaster." <laughs> What the hell? Oh, we could have used that money to get Demar Derozan. <laughs> I, hang on, I never said that we wanted Demar. You said something like that. I remember you, you were s- upset about Rubio leaving. Yeah, because he was pulling out the best minutes of his career and the best like stats of his career. I'm pretty sure you wanted Derozan. You wanted the cap room. I don't. Rem- I literally do not remember that at all. But anyway, <laughs> that was after the high of of bubble watch and and seeing yeah. the Suns on the bounce, and then yeah, uh, Paul getting signed. And it was doom and gloom again, and then the season started, and it was doom and gloom. Then you were near the top of the pops, and you're like, oh no, they're gonna they're gonna fail, and then it's high. It's been beautiful sitting on the bench watching this from the sidelines. <laughs> Look, I have I have had my heart broken before, 
I just don't want yeah. it to happen again. And uh, I, I, it'll happen for, again. Well, for so much of this season, I was so worried that it was just get, the bubble, pun intended, would pop, and <laughs> the Suns would ha- either have like a an injury crisis or they would fall out of favor with Monty Williams. I don't know why they would, but yeah, the the, the ride keeps going. And and this win um, this morning, we should say, uh, recording this on thirty first of May on the Monday, one hundred to ninety two in Los Angeles. Both teams have a, a win in in either either stadium, which I didn't expect. Honestly, I, I felt that if we could have won Game Two going into mm. Games Three and Four in Los Angeles, that was going to be the big one for me because we've never really performed at all well um, at the Staples Center. It's always been like our almost like bogey uh, court to play on. But yeah, I mean. It, watching the the game and and the the sort of score by score throughout the quarter like we gave them a a real good run for their money it's funny that uh both these teams seasons hinge on anthony davis's crutch i find that very humorous (laughs) good or bad that this that one of these teams is dying because of a damaged or a healed crutch and um that brings me much humor because i've got nothing oh i've still got the lotto to cheer for but uh, yeah, it's crazy that that was LeBron's first home finals game as a Laker too, like this this season because obviously bubble yeah. bubble last year and everything and, and what have you. So um, seeing him get a, a proper home court and seeing LeBron still do LeBron things, uh, even though there's been some questionable flops and uh, animations from the King uh, throughout the throughout the finals and the the play in match with the the Warriors and what have you. But um. Yeah, I've been impressed. Your son's had some good fight back today. Like there was a chance for the Lakers to come back over the top of them in, in sort of the back end of uh, that game four, but they held strong and gone into game five. It's it's anyone's game. I'm excited for you as a Suns fan. I hope mm. I hope they do well, like genuinely not taking the piss or trying to troll you. I, I'd be very happy to see your boys get over the Lakers and, and see what kind of narratives play out about the, the Lakers in the media, but yeah, LeBron and AD, if they're on the court together, you know, who's stopping them for the most part? Well, yeah, it's it's been difficult. Uh, obviously, Aiton is trying to pull out all the stops. He's actually been playing quite well over the last sort of couple of games. But uh, I think for me, it's just been like having never really had this experience well, for t- obviously 10 years now. I almost forgot what the the feeling was like of having your, your team in a, in a playoff situation. I... I'd always had it in, you know, NHL games and and other sort of other codes, I guess. But now that I'm actually able to really take in NBA as a, you know, a fully fledged thinking fan about it, it's it's a lot more stressful than I expected. Mm. Yeah, just enjoy every win. That's all I can say. Because could be, you know, could be another series after this. There might not, and there might not even be. There might not even be playoffs in in the future for the Suns. You never know. Exactly. Like, are, you, are you Paul... a crier? Hey? Are you a crier, Tilby? Like if your team wins <laughs> or loses, are you are you a crier based off extreme levels of emotion, whether it be happy and proud or sad and depressed? I I have been known to cry at like like I was there for both of the and I know you hate the word soccer or football, but I've been to both of the the Brisbane Raw grand finals where they won like coming back from like two goals down in, in injury time. And like, yes, I will admit I cried for both of them, but if it's just like a serious hard fought game, like these ones, 
probably not like I'll be happy about it and if I'm upset I'll I'll be a bit mopey <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll hear about it there'll be there'll be a lot of written curse words in that Facebook chat that's for sure yeah game three was not uh not one of my finest moments but yeah I'll I'll I'll, I'll take that one on the chin I guess <laughs> yeah I, I'm a happy crier like whether it's movies or um sports or whatever like especially when there's like music playing that get, this just gets you <laughs> like it's like yeah like just emotions not not even necessarily joy or sadness just any any like real emotion yeah it's I'm nice to know we're really sensitive here yeah, yeah this is a sensitive basketball <laughs> podcast <laughs> we'll all but, have to uh, have a sleepover and cuddle up and watch some playoff games yeah yeah i mean uh, i think it, it segs well into my takeaway from the the playoffs so far is that you know, I hate to see I hate to see injuries play such a big part in some of these series. You know, we mentioned AD being hurt, and that could be you know what gets Phoenix back into this series. But to start with, CP3's health has been an issue from game one, basically. So mm. uh, it, it's kind of evened out in that regard, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's... kind of leveled the playing field, but it's just not the way that you want it to go where it's like, oh, well, you only won because this happened or, you know, if only yeah. we had this guy, then we may have, you know, pushed it to seven games and, and won. And then on the other side of uh, the of town, we've got the Clippers and the, the Mavericks, which similarly, they've struggled to win home games on both sides. It's been 2-0 and then the Mavs went 2-0 as well, like at home. So like... They just keep losing home games, and Luca being hurt now has really put a dampener on what was an amazing yeah. playoff performance from a very young player that is historic in a lot of ways. It's crazy that like him carrying that team on his back has actually injured his back. Like the poor, poor, poor Doncic. <laughs> what were the odds? <laughs> like it has been him out. Like Hardaway and a couple of Ben Sillery players in those first two games. Were some good sort of um, you know Robins to to Luca's Batman, but the two games following it's just been Luca and crickets. Like we talk about um, Porzingis being a unicorn, like he is a unicorn right now. He is a myth. Like he does not exist. He <laughs> for his size, he has not developed or improved really at all since his rookie year, and he just looks lost out there. Like there's no D, there's no rim protection. He's not crashing the boards. Even his, his three-point stroke at the moment looks rough. Like, I don't think he scored... Like, I think this uh, game four was his best scoring performance. Outside of that, it was like 10 points, 12 points, 15 points. Like, he's been nothing. Like, they talked about those two being a couple of superstars together, and you can see why they don't hang out and talk outside of playing <laughs> basketball because, yeah, he's a myth. He's just a joke on the court. For his size and his talents, he should yeah. be dominating um like not maybe not at will but like he should be imposing his will more often in that game and he's just non-existent mm. it's really disappointing like there was all this talk that he probably is going to to move off um the Mavs after the season ends and but it's like who would take him in this current form yeah like he's he's owed a lot of money <laughs> the kings a lot yeah, yeah. maybe vlade will, will trade he'll be like oh he's He's the next Andrea Bagnani, you know. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know, something dumb like that. But uh, yeah, it's it's a shame because it's just Luca and then just a bunch of nothing, and you feel for him because it's been a playoff like coming out party this year for him for the ages, and he's just got no support around him. And 
I looked at first like the Mavs might have had the upset of the finals and now it looks like they're probably going to get skittled in six. Mm. Yeah, it's it's tough to see where that one goes. Like there's still a bit of room for them, but it's looking pretty pretty dicey to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and then in the east, obviously, uh you had Westbrook missing a game. I think he missed a game. He might miss game 4 with his ankle injury and that was, you know, the Sixers were obviously heavily favored, but I felt like it was at least going to be interesting and we'd see a bit of fight where the Wizards steal a game or two games based on just, you know, one of their star players going nuts. And Westbrook has that personal kind of feud with Embiid that goes back a while. So that there was some intrigue around that, but it's just kind of been essentially a, a, a walkover. And at the same time, it's not necessarily an injury, but it makes me wonder, like, is Jimmy Butler injured? Because <laughs> yeah. the Heat aren't had a, performing. Had a bad batch of coffee. Been, yeah, he's been kind of... <laughs> he's playing like he's got a mystery injury that no one wants to to reveal because there's just no fight from him. It's just coming down to their shooting percentages. Like, I saw a graphic yesterday or the day before where... Last year it was like Bam was shooting at sixty five percent. He's at fifty three. This um, like at time of seeing that graphic, Jimmy was at fifty. He's at forty. Tyler Hero was in his forties and now he's down in thirty. Mm. Same as Duncan Robinson. Like everybody that was shooting lights out last year in the finals is just not showing up. Especially Hero and Robinson. Like they are giving him nothing offensively this season. Yeah. This series, I should say. And that's when you need your star players to yeah to go Kobe basically. And Jimmy hasn't really done that like he had he was better in game three but games one and two he took like eight or ten shots and it's like yeah. come on man like you're the franchise player do you think that sort of the sort of schedule he's had obviously coming from you know a, a losing finals effort yeah. last season in the bubble and going straight through a, a full 72 games i don't i mean i don't know how many games he probably missed throughout the regular season but do you think he's just been overworked like we know he's the sort of person who mm who favors that grit and that hustle and, you know, never wants to show that he's, you know, fragile or human. But I think the, the sort of the toll that this, this schedule has been taken on might be just mm. showing signs. It, and I think it's, it, it's happened at the wrong time. Certainly something yeah. going on behind the scenes. I think he's got to be carrying injury because during the season, he was putting up bonkers numbers. Like it was the Jimmy Butler, we all know, but this final series, I don't know if there's something going on like within the locker room or within the coaching staff and Jimmy, like, you know, he's, he holds his grudges and he uh, has very strong opinions about people and things. So maybe there was something he got upset about Hero or Duncan Robinson playing too much Fortnite or something. I don't know. You know, like you, you don't know how Jimmy, Jimmy thinks on the day to day, but he, he doesn't look like himself, especially from in during the regular season. I think he missed what, 15 or 20 games. I think in the season this year, he was out for a bit here and there, mm. but you're still putting up good numbers and he's just a ghost in these finals. I think the Lakers and the Heat had 71 days to rest after the finals before the season started. And the teams that were outside the bubble had 285 days to rest. Yeah. So like- even if you snuck into the bubble or you know the first round of the playoffs, you've had so much more time to recover than what these two teams is. So it's... First of all, it's it's no surprise that they both didn't seem to be pushing for like a top four seed. Like they just seemed happy to make the playoffs and go from there. And secondly, they've got players. Well, the Lakers definitely have these players with some nagging injuries, especially AD. 
maybe it's nagging, maybe it's just he's tired and his body's breaking down because he's that way inclined. I think we're just seeing the effects of of this kind of crazy year that's been for some players. Yeah, it'll it'll definitely be a, a case of sort of getting back onto a regular schedule, um, and I guess sort of just there's always going to be the overlap after this, the bubble season and just trying to catch up with getting back to a normal schedule. Um, but yeah, it, it would be hard to see Jimmy going, you know, or getting back to that sort of, you know, big sort of big time player sort of thing. So it'll be tough, but yeah, I mean, we continue on with the East. Brendan, you were, uh, you were looking at Brooklyn. Yeah, they uh, they just look a class above. Like I know the Celtics took a win and Tatum has been balling out of his mind at the moment, like dropping 40, 50 plus games here and there because he's pretty much the only show in town at the moment. Kemba's still not Kemba that we used to know from a few years ago. Obviously, there's no Brown. Smart and some of the other ancillary pieces are performing a little bit here and there, but it just feels like the... The trio at the Nets there with Kyrie, Durant, and Harden, they are just crushing it. Like they're they're responsible for I think about eighty odd percent of their team's total points throughout this finals between the three of them, and like collectively they're shooting um, above fifty percent. I think they're closer to sixty percent as a trio with their numbers combined. So when you've got Jeez. three players dropping eighty points, shooting you know fifty to sixty percent collectively you're going to have a hard time getting close or stopping that. Like today, for instance, like Durant, Durant went off for 42 points and he shot 70%. Um, <laughs> you know, Harden went off for 23, shot 66%. And then Irving went for 39 and shot 46%. So like, you know, the numbers these three are putting up, it's just, it's video game numbers. It's like watching, you know, NBA 2K play out in real life. And it's just, I don't envision anyone out of the, like, I mean, we're on the Bucks have looked great and dominant, but when these three are cooking, I don't know who's going to stop them. Well, it's like even looking at the the final box score from today's game, one hundred and forty one to one hundred twenty six. Like that's that's an overtime score, not a not a regulation score that you yeah. would predict. Like Steve Nash is obviously just like we will be fine. Yeah. You know, you can score if you can score your points we can score our points like mm-hmm. he's clearly like definitely not caring about the defense that might be the only sort of i guess uh, you know issue for them going forward once they get to maybe even like a, a philadelphia or even who they might meet up up against in in the finals but yeah for now like they're they've just absolutely been on a tear they've been steamrolling yeah they're so good they're so good like the super team thing you know it's it's something that's a bit of a, a frustration for a, for a fan and whatever, but like, yeah, I, th- I think they're going to be going to be making it all the way. Like, it's going to be great to see what I eventually assume is going to be Philly and the Nets in the finals in in the East in the conference there. And yeah, I, I still see Brooklyn going all the way to the big dance and taking this thing out with the, that. If, if those three stay healthy, I think it's it's their it's their championship to lose. Mm, exactly and uh quick mention for the the nuggets and blazers series such a good series it has been great to watch lillard and and the joker just go sort of punch for punch where they're both having superstar games just every other every other match and it's it's obviously leveled up now and i'm really really curious to see how it plays out i've still got portland taking it out overall but i don't know i've been surprised that denver without a without murray there have been uh 
having some big games uh, w- with the Joker at the helm there. So it's, it's just been fun. Like overall, outside of um, the Bucks Heat and then the, the Philly Wizards series, all these other series have been a hell of a f- like fun to watch. Like there's been great coming out parties for, for younger players. There's been really competitive matchups. Mm. Most of these series are locked up at, you know, 2-2 or 2-1 and things. So it's been really great as, as an NBA fan. Like, you know, my team's nowhere near the finals, but I'm really, really enjoying watching some of these games and seeing, you know, Trey Young and, and Ja Moran, Moran, dudes like yeah. this, just come out and just go hamburger on the big stage. And it's, it's just been good ball to watch. It's, it's also so much better and so much more enjoyable when there are fans in the stadium yeah. and like we've been crying out for it for so long and um, during sort of the latter half of the regular season when they were sort of just drip feeding fans into games, it was welcome. But like that game two at Madison Square Garden for the Knicks and the Hawks, like that was like you could you thought it was at capacity and like they they were throwing down alley oops to Obi Toppin and you thought that there was like the place was about to explode. It was insane. It was so much fun to hear, you know, to have a crowd back in in full force and uh, some people have been taking advantage of it and we'll we'll get to that a bit later, but yeah, it it's just been good to have fans back in witnessing playoff basketball. I was I was going to say all of the teams, most of the teams are uh, are, are fighting for their lives and scrapping as hard as they can, but uh yeah, we uh we we obviously had our predictions on the on the last episode, but uh care to make a, a mulligan gentlemen it's it's tough to say like look looking at my bracket i i misfired on a couple of the playing uh thoughts but the rest of the teams that i thought were going to make it through are still on track to where i think they're going to finish so i'm, I'm going to sit with my sit with my predictions where i see uh the teams that i backed early still making it through like i think the hawks at 3-1 over the knicks are still going to think they're going to take that out and as far as who's ultimately going to get to the end with the Nets and the Clippers is my thought. The Clippers one was a bit shaky for a hot second there, but I think they're mm. going to bounce back and get there. And um, no, I'm, I'm going to going to ride it out. I'm going to keep keep the nuts on the table and uh, you know, just go <laughs> with my original thoughts. No mulligans for me. Yeah, I'm right, actually I'm on the same page as you. Everyone that I picked to win, I think is still going to win the series despite getting some of the play-in bracket wrong. The one that I'm a bit iffy on is the, you know, I picked the Knicks to beat the Hawks in six and... That's mine too, yeah. I mean, I still want that to happen. I still well, it's got to it be in seven now. Well, yeah. I think it could... I think the Knicks could still win the series, I guess is what I'm saying. But Julius Randle needs to wake up. He needs to, you know, put his big boy pants on and just <laughs> perform. Like, he is obviously a great player. And he's had a great season, and we need to see him step up on the big stage because he hasn't done it. Uh, he had a, a great second half in, I think, game three, where he was kind of asleep for the first two quarters, and then scored, I think, fifteen in the third quarter or the or the second half, and got them back in that game. But yeah, he he needs to to do the things that he's been doing all year, or else they're gonna, not going to have any chance. Like Derek Rose, bless him. Taj Gibson getting the putbacks, getting big minutes. It's great to see, but you're not winning a playoff series behind Derek Rose and Taj Gibson no. in, in 2021. No. 
yeah, it, it's I'm sort of the same where a lot of my hits and misses sort of stem from the play-in. Um, I purely from blind faith, I had Golden State over the Lakers because <laughs> I just didn't want to be playing yeah. Los Angeles in in round one. But um, and then obviously Washington over Boston. Um, but yeah, I mean, it looks as if so far a lot of mine have been pretty secure, or at least some of them are still up in the air. Um, Nuggets over Blazers and Clippers over Mavericks are still sort of like either side, so I, I can't really tell. Um, Jazz and Suns, you know, still in in the mix. Probably Jazz are probably going to be the easiest one to pick out of those ones. I, I agree with Jono. Like my my biggest one is probably going to be the Knicks and the Hawks. I think I'm kind of changing changing tack on mine. I think it's probably going to be the Hawks rounding this one out. Um, so that's probably going to be my only mulligan. I think. Other than that, like, you know, Nets are pretty easily going to take over that series against the Celtics. And I think the Sixers are, are, are pretty much going to, it looks likely that they're going to sweep the Wizards. So, yeah, like, look, looking at the brackets, like, we, we pretty much all landed in a similar position for the most part. Like, on our East brackets, I've, I've got, got the all the Bucks. teams right there. I've just got yeah. the, the Celtics and the Wizards in the wrong order. I thought they were going to be playing the opposite teams. And then, on the other side, I think we all had the the Warriors playing somewhere in the finals, and yet they got skittled in the the play-in. So, yeah, we weren't too too far off the mark. It just comes down now to our how many games uh, predictions it's going to be. So, yeah, I'm 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 happy. I'm I'm uh yeah riding. I'm keeping these nuts on the table, and uh, we're going to see how far it goes. <laughs> Stop saying that. <laughs> I've still got the Bucks going to the finals against the Lakers at this point. Um, I know you guys have got the Nets. I think that that series is going to go to seven. I think they'll find a way to dismantle the juggernauts. But yeah, we'll see. That, that'll be interesting. I just feel like the Bucks have, have taken their lumps and it's their time to, to put the foot down. They've got their, they've got the most to lose. I think if things don't work out for them, Coach Bud's gone. I think if things don't work out for the Nets, you know they've still got a couple of years to figure things out. So that's, that's how I'm looking at it anyway. Well, you know, the first person gone if they don't make anything, you know, seriously close to the winning is it's Nash. Like I don't, totally think, the, gone. I don't nah. think they'll sack him yeah, after one year. He's just a yeah. figurehead, you know. <laughs> the coach of the three players on that court that we mentioned earlier, like he's just there to get a paycheck and, and do the post game presses. But um And win and win a place in my heart. Yeah. I, I guess I guess what we could look at then is yeah, who do you, what teams, if we start with you, Toby, what teams do you see making the conference finals in the East and, and, and then your West picks? And I'll throw mine real quick and then JP's, then we could probably move into the, the final parts of the potty. I mean, in the East, it's got to be uh, Nets and Sixers. Yep. Like, it just seems too obvious. Like, both teams are just rolling over their, comp- their competition. But that's really going to be like the irresistible force and the immovable object um, in the East. West is so much harder to call. Um, or just put me down for... Are you going to, are you going the all LA final? No. <laughs> I'm going Jazz versus Nuggets. Oh, Okay. Okay, that's a bit different. Jazz can, versus can Nuggets. that happen? Like I haven't got the, it. Can happen. Got the yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at the <laughs> the way the finals are playing. That can happen. Yeah. Okay, put me down for that. I think that's the the most likely of of scenarios. Jazz Nuggets and Sixers Nets. I've got Sixers Nets coming out of the East, and then 
on the uh, west side, I'm sticking with my initial predictions of the Clippers versus the Blazers in the west. So Clippers, Clippers, Blazers, and 76ers Nets for my uh, conference championships. JP, where are you at? Mm. I'm trying to find my actual bracket so I can stick with what I uh, what I made. I can but, get it for uh, you. Yeah. I can I As can I, give you your actual bracket. I got it right yeah, here. Here it is. I had the Lakers and the Jazz in the conference finals. Yep. Um, as much as I'd love to see Denver because I'm a fan of the way that they play, and then the Sixers and the Bucks in the East with the Bucks going all the way. You uh, really your bracket that here's got the 76ers in here. Yeah, Thank you very much. I know. Much. I'm, I'm, I'm swerving from that because remember, <laughs> we talked about this before. How many mulligans does a man get? Yeah. You're taking my <laughs> one I made, as well. predi- I made a prediction on the podcast that I wasn't part of. And then I made it. And then I realized something when I did the bracket, you know, because I had the Heat and the Bucks going at seven games, which didn't happen. So I thought if they play seven with. Heat, and then they play seven with the Nets. I don't think they'll have enough left to beat Philly, but obviously that hasn't happened. So I've swerved back to my original take, which is the Bucks. Just sounds like a lot of excuses, really. But anyway, any more for any more? We'll see. No, no. that's it. I, I think that's on. we we got out. We got our bold predictions there. So we'll see how it all plays out over the coming weeks. Excellent. Let's uh, jump on him. Yes, Basketball Bits back again. The weird and wonderful stories going on in basketball right now. And before we really jump into it, I, uh, we want to, I guess, pay our respects and, and give a little tribute to uh, NBA great Mark Eaton, who tragically died over the weekend uh, in a bike crash, I believe, at the age of 64. Um, probably a little bit underrated in terms of, I guess, the, the pantheon of, of NBA greats. But he was... At a time when I guess basketball was starting to become a little bit more offensive, he was definitely one of the the more defensive-minded juggernauts. It seems. Yeah, he's along the lines of like the minute bowl type of player that is almost purely out there for the defense. He just didn't look as interesting as minute bowl, so he's not as memorable. <laughs> um, and obviously, didn't have the great personality that that minute bowl was known for too. But yeah, he was like blocking shots left and right. He's a bizarre figure in his own way, like seven foot four, I think. And yep. like just a monster of a man um, would have been like, you know, the the uh, the head of like the lead centurion or something back in ancient times. He definitely <laughs> would have been like the one carrying the big shield out on the battlefield, I think. But uh, yeah, just set all kinds of shot blocking records like most blocks in a season and all, all that kind of thing back when he was playing with the jazz for, I think he had a 12, 11 or 12 year run. And yeah, I'm sure that um, jazz fans will, will be quite sad because he was a, a legend there um, and had his Jersey retired in like 1996. So um, yeah, quite sad for someone to go out that way. Mm, yeah. He, he definitely was a, uh... A legend for them, spent his entire career with the Jazz. I'm just reading now. He was an NBA All-Star in 1989 and twice voted the NBA Defensive Player of the Year in 85 and 89. Uh, yeah, pretty limited offensively, as you said. But uh, yeah, that, that league leading in blocks four times and that uh, NBA record for single season blocks and career block shots per game average at three and a half, which is 
pretty solid. That's insane. Yeah, I'm surprised no one's pipped it because there's been a few times where whether it's Serge Ibaka or Larry Sanders or whoever else just comes out and has like a monster. Yeah, even yeah. Miles Turner. Miles Turner averages yeah. close to three. So uh, we'll, we might see that record broken eventually. But yeah, that's mighty impressive. Three and a half swats it, a game. It, it's it's actually like it feels like it's getting harder to, for big guys to have that kind of impact with the amount of three-point possessions that are taking place instead of people going to the hoop and putting up those shots as often. Uh, Unless you're Ja Morant, he'll dunk on anybody, even Gobert. Yeah, was- <laughs> he'll get one eventually this this series. I, I reckon he's he keeps going back to it, and I respect his persistence, that's for damn sure. Mm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, obviously we... Uh, we pay our respects, obviously, our thoughts are with the friends and family and, of course, the entire Utah Jazz community for that one. And uh, I guess we'll move on to something that we had, I guess. <laughs> Speaking of jazz fans. <laughs> well, yeah, we, 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 we talked about it earlier, obviously, with fans coming back to games in their numbers. Uh, some people have probably not been taking it as well and probably not respecting the rules. But, yeah, we've had some unruly fans coming through in these ones Um I guess it all started with uh, Russell Westbrook. And, uh, well, he had the one with the Wizards a couple of days ago. He had popcorn thrown on him at mm. the uh, at the Wells Fargo Center against the Sixers. I believe he was banned for life. or yeah. um, And then just some of the crazy stuff that was happening to Trey Young and, and then Marcus Smart also confirming that uh, Celtics fans have shouted racist remarks. Like, come on, like... I hate I, I hate that we're covering at this. Their own honestly. Player. Yeah, like I hate that we have to discuss this every time it happens because it's just like we should be better than this, you know? Like Yeah. I think the NBA needs to do a little bit more. It's great that these guys have been getting banned, like just straight up yeah. banned. Like the dude threw the drink bottle at Kyrie Irving today. Yeah. Oh I don't, yeah. I don't know if you saw that. Indeed, and indeed, yeah. he was he was escorted by police and I imagine he'll never get back into see a Celtics game Look, again. I, I think like what Kyrie did to pro- to <laughs> provoke that obviously stamping on the the Celtics logo and wiping his foot on the on the center court logo. Not great, but still like It doesn't on. justify it's, a violent outburst it, like yeah, that. No, like, it's no. it's showmanship. Like it's like if if the crowds can chant like um, you know, Trey you know, Trey is balding and Trey's stuff like balding. that. Like, if if they yeah. can boo and and throw sort of stuff at you like that, and then there's the showmanship coming back, like with what Kyrie did. It's it's tit for tat. Like, it's all part of the the spectacle that is professional sports. But yeah, it doesn't give you the right to spit at spit at players. Uh, you know, racially throw racial slurs no, at them, yeah. violent attacks, throwing weapons and. Well, not, well, a bottle, I guess, could be classed as a weapon. But you know what? Like, you, you watch the game. That's it. That's where it ends. Like, you don't sort of stamp, yeah. your, stamp your bloody reputation or, or your livelihood on being this wanker that throws a bottle or spits at somebody or throws racist remarks. Like, professional mm-hmm. sport, that shouldn't exist in it. And sadly, it does, not only in the NBA, but in pretty much every code. There's a lot of wankers mm. and pieces of crap that go to these games and get this sense of entitlement that because they bought a ticket, they can do whatever the hell they want. And mm. yeah, they need to get banned and, and you know, things like throwing bottles and stuff. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset at all if they got like criminal charges put towards them and stuff like that. So like do whatever you can to make these people pay. Yeah, I think what Kyrie did was obviously disrespectful to that fan base that... 
I guess some of them, a lot of them would have been in his corner while he was there. He doesn't feel like that the way it ended was, was good, I suppose. But the equivalent of what he did is just a fan yelling at him and telling him that he sucks. Like that's yeah. the appropriate response if you're not happy with a player. You can just boo them or try and make them miss their free throws. Like that's a reasonable thing to do. When you start yeah, like, throwing things, that's how Ron Artest yeah, ended up going to the stands. Jeez. It's like be be creative with it. Like when Tony Parker was taking free throws, just get like a with the cutout of Eva Longoria whenever that was happening like God. that's fun like having those sorts of like <laughs> you know creative barbs at, at a player I can understand that but yeah this this definitely does like it crosses a line in in more ways than one and 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 thankfully like you know in other sports you, you've seen coins being thrown and, and other sort of just like crazy things like yeah it's, and I'm so glad that these these bottles are plastic and they're not glass or, or whatever. Like these these changes are being made for a reason. But like you said, Jono, it still needs to be improved. There can be more things that can be improved. And I think as fans have come back, I think there's that there's going to be that teething process as as fans, I guess, readjust to to being in the same arena together and 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 I guess watching the game as a collective together and and i hate the fact that we even have to do that because we're all you know fully grown men and women but the entitlement is just off the charts like we basketball was taken away from us a year ago we we lost basketball and it was for people that are a fan of of the sport and just love it as much as we do it was sad and it was depressing that the nba season was just basically cancelled as far as we knew and to have this whole season go with no essentially no fans and they're finally allowed back in there and this is how you act like like a child like that's not getting their way it's it's ridiculous like grow the heck up and don't throw things at these players that are like there to entertain you it's not like like kd said it today really well or yesterday like the the game is bigger than you like you just you need to respect these players and and russell said like no one's gonna come up and disrespect me like that on the street, and and um, what's his name uh, on the Celtics? Uh, Tristan Thompson said, like, if anyone spits at me, what do you think's gonna happen? Like, I will knock that dude out mm. straight up. Like, exactly. Uh, like, yeah, like, and they think because there's this invisible barrier and that players aren't allowed to go into the stands and they're not allowed to retaliate, they can do what they want. But that's it's just pathetic. I should make mm. a gladiator rules like anyone that throws a bottle or spits, bring them down onto the court and just say, "All right, you're going toe to toe with player X, Y now, and let's see who's standing after this." You, you get it, uh, ECW rules, and you're just bringing like two by fours and yeah. steel chairs. Well, you, just get, like, you get a free shot, you know. You get one free shot, and then so does so does Tristan Thompson or Westbrook or whoever it is, because <laughs> yeah, the entitlement it's completely unjustified, and you just be better and have some damn respect, you know, mm. like. They're not coming into your workplace and spitting at you and throwing yeah. bottles at you while you're, I don't know, doing some menial retail job or laboring or hey. whatever it is, you know? That hurt. <laughs> I didn't mean mean any offense by that. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. yeah. They're not exactly. coming in and disrupting your workplace. Exactly. But uh, hopefully we do see this sort of thing continue to be stamped out of the game as we move forward and, and I guess return to... A normal 
uh, NBA and, and full capacity at our games. But uh, on a more positive note and more fun note, uh, some of the NBA awards have been announced, uh, I guess, drip-fed almost throughout yeah. the uh, the playoffs, Ooh, which is a little prime bit Prime drip, you reckon? A little bit of that prime drip, different terminology, but... Uh, We've we've got to teach you on on those ones, I think, Brendan. We're still working on it. What was that? Anyway, the uh, Six Man Award was awarded to uh, Jordan Clarkson uh, of the Utah Jazz, narrowly uh, taking that one over his teammate Joe Ingles, who who very kindly awarded him the award or gave it to mm-hmm. him in a in a very cute video. Um, and he also beat out uh, Derek Rose, who was. Uh, Having a comeback season for the ages, really off the off the bench there, but uh, that seems like a, a a worthwhile winner. We think. I, I think yeah. so, but you know what? Like with two players on the same team, would that make one of them the seventh man? So, like, yeah. say Ingles actually <laughs> won it, could you dispute then that he was technically the seventh man, not the sixth? Someone was saying that like Ingles had started mm. too many games to really be counted for this award, and I guess like, what's the sort of eligibility for this sort of thing? Yeah. I don't, yeah, know. I don't know i want that i guess it's up to interpretation per the person that's making the vote like you know that person started more than 70 percent of the games or more than 30 percent whatever you know like it's mm. just gonna be like how it feels it's, it's the vibe of it <laughs> marbo it's you marbo, reckon it's the yeah. vibe. <laughs> exactly <laughs> And uh, on the other one, for the most improved, Julius Randle absolutely running away with it over Jeremy Grant and Michael Porter Jr. I mean, this was a foregone conclusion. The man has just absolutely become a star at the Knicks in just his first season there. Um, Tibbs has got his, uh, his fingerprints all over this one. Mm-hmm. And there was, two, there was two judges that were that like put their, their ballots in for these awards. It didn't even put Randle in the top three. Yeah, somehow. Which is absolutely bananas. But anyway, the, yeah, the award, that, that award um, announcement was adorable. They had little Julius's little son come out with the award. I don't know if you've yes. seen the video, but more of that, that was fantastic. He's so cute. And like you could see it just like, you know, warm Julius's heart seeing his little fella come out with the award. And then it all set in. It was, you know, I love them little human moments. Mm, and like these awards so far have been very much uh, like redemption stories or, or people who, you know, have been sort of on the outer for a lot of their teams coming back and making a real, mm. real show of things. So guys like Clarkson and Randall, Derek Rose coming through, like they've done really well to get back in, into the public eye like this. So mm. very good. Well done. Um, but uh, we, we've got uh, some more awards uh, coming through the nominees or the top three for each award have been revealed. Um, we'll go through some quick predictions for these ones. Defensive Player of the Year: Rudy Gobert, uh, Draymond Green, and our own Ben Simmons. What are we thinking? Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons for me. Um, I think Rudy. I think Rudy. Okay, interesting. Trey, Trey deserves to be second, I think. But yeah, I think it's a two-horse race between Gobert and Simmons. But I'm going to say Simmons. Just purely for the the homerism, the yeah. the rose tinted glasses, I think. But uh, this is the one that's really been drumming up some debate, especially between us. Yeah. Rookie of the year, JP's got like thirty bucks <laughs> on the line yeah. with this one. Lamelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, and Tyrese Halliburton, who obviously has no hope in this one. It's very much a two horse yeah. race in this. But where do we stand on this? Because obviously Lamelo missed. I, I I made the the point that he missed what 25. a. Qu- 
Yeah, so. a, over a full quarter of the season. Edwards was balling out in that time. What do we think? I think that the narrative is going towards Lonzo Ball. Uh, sorry. Lamello. What's his name? Lamello. <laughs> I was going to say Lavar. <laughs> Lamello Ball. Um, he was, you know, very much hyped coming into the season. People were saying he wasn't going to live up to the hype. And then he was coming off the bench and he earned his way into the starting lineup pretty quickly and he was balling flat out and definitely running away with this prize before he was hurt and then he managed to come back and kind of finish the season so I think it's like fresh in people's minds that he didn't miss like the whole the rest of the season so that that's gonna redeem him for some people making their judgment um he was flashy he had the highlights Edwards was bowling in another way, very inefficient scorer, and it was like the the Wolves were basically gunning for him to win this award. They just wanted him to score as many points as possible. But that's that's the thing as well. Like, do you think the fact that the Wolves were so terrible this season would that have influenced the vote? Like, yeah, I think so because Ball, you could argue, played well enough for his team to make the playoff or the play-in tournament. I guess, um, which is something thing that I think some voters will be influenced by but at the same time I wish that inefficiency I mentioned with Edwards wasn't part of his narrative because Lamello's field goal percentage is almost just as bad it's only like yeah, 0.02 0.418 compared to 0.436 so it's not a huge yeah. difference between the two yeah I so I mean I mean I put money on Edwards when Ball went down as part of this multi <laughs> multi bet. I put my eleven dollars in on on Joker, big spend on on Ball and uh, Jordan Clarkson to win his award. So I, I went with what I thought were the three most sure things. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll lose eleven dollars if uh, Lamelo Ball. <laughs> Gets it. I'm so, going to be absolutely devastated. You know where happens. I'll be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He'll be down you know at the bar, bar drowning his sorrows. <laughs> thought, thought harder on that than he did buying a house. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> mulled over this for months. <laughs> Any, anyone listening to uh, our Is This Thing On? He, he might have some... Uh, you might be able to get that one. But uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's such a like... Head, it could head, go either way. Yeah, yeah head, head thinks ball for me, but my heart says Edwards. Um, just so. just purely because like he was able to go through the entire season and it wasn't disrupted. He had that and, big dunk too, <laughs> and and he, he and he murdered a man on the court. Yeah, so I feel like that's gonna <laughs> rest in peace. We miss you, buddy. Um, <laughs> Coach of the year. Now this is a, a little bit more open. I think uh, Quinn Snyder of the Jab, uh, the Jazz, Tom Thibodeau of the Knicks, and Monty William Williams, I should say, of the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> I'm going oh, with Tibbs. Man. I'm going with Tibbs I, here. I want Thibodeau to take it because I'm a Bulls man and I, I love him. And I love what he's done with that roster that no one... This is the thing. This award goes to two types of coaches. The coach that just wins the most games. So that's, I guess, where Snyder Snyder's comes point, in. Yeah. Then there's the team that no one expects to be good and overperforms. But which, then that's that's two of which, them. <laughs> well that's that's Thibodeau, but then you've got the you got Williams, the Suns. Yeah. And he's kind of both of those things where they won a hell of a lot of games and they also exceeded expectations. So I think maybe he'll take it. It's 
I, I think it, it probably is going to be Thibodeau because I think given where they were at the end of last season, like no one gave them a hope in hell. Like, and the fact that they're now fourth yeah. seed, I, I know that they're probably more most likely going to be eliminated after the first round, but to, to even make this position um, given, especially where they were earlier in this season, where they were sort of flirting with like eighth or, or ninth seed to really go on that run late in the year. Like, and he's turned a bunch of players who no one really gave a hope in hell um, and turned them into a really solid, well-working unit. I think that's always mm. been what he's been good at is just getting the best out of a team that, you know, probably doesn't have a huge star in it um, and, yeah. and turning them into a, a real finely tuned machine. The counter argument for Thibodeau is that he favors veterans in a big way <laughs> to the point where he was playing Derek Rose over... Um, uh, what's the young quickly point? Yeah, quickly. Who people wanted to see get developed, and he was, he's obviously playing Taj Gibson when I guess he could be throwing like Obi out yeah, there. It's 2011 again. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but you know he's getting the wins, and I guess that's what he cares about, and that might be enough. Like I think people like the the narrative. Like if you just purely go based on narrative, which a lot of people do, you want Thibodeau to win because he was out of the league couldn't get a job for at least three or four years. Um, and people wondered whether he would get a head coaching gig again. And if he did, was his were his ways too dated to make an impact in today's NBA that's changed significantly since, you know, 2015, 16. Uh, and, you know, they've had success. Uh, will it be short-lived because of the way that he runs his players into the ground? Yes. Because of the way that he <laughs> yes, plays... Yes, absolutely. His, <laughs> the way that he plays his old guys and, like, he refuses to start, like... Like, he, like <laughs> he used to start Keith Bogans for the Bulls and then Keith Bogans would play, like, 12 minutes for the whole game. It was just, like, a thing that he did. And he's been doing that with Derek Rose coming off the bench when he's basically a starter. Is this bringing up some, like, Vietnam flashbacks for you? (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, he just has these things that he does, like, these little idiosyncrasies as a coach that don't make sense to anyone except for him, but it's, like, the way that he operates. and Yeah. It's a quirky coach, um, and I think we're seeing him exposed a bit in the playoffs here where he can't really get things going offensively because he just it's just defense, defense, and Randall's not engaged. And watching them play the other day, this is a bit of a tangent, but they were... They had no plan. They, they were just like... No well, no one can stop Trey Young. He just does what the hell he well, wants out there. It's, it's those new shoes, offense, man. It's yeah. the new shoes. On offense, it was like... I watched Randall like go up and take a contested shot. I watched Rose drive to the rim and go up. like Obviously, contested at the rim and he made the bucket. But every... Like RJ Barrett, like, they were all just like taking on... The, they weren't passing the ball. They weren't moving it around to find an open shooter. They weren't running guys off picks to get like a you know, a screen, three-pointer, open, like that kind of thing. It was just like, Tibbs, call a play. Don't just isolate isolate on every single mm. possession. But RJ Barrett's so, uh... been very disappointing this finals. He has not showed up at all in any of those four games. If he stepped up a bit, it'd be a whole different scenario, I think. But yeah, it's... Now that Collins and Co are starting to uh, step up and, and show some value this series as well, I think it's I think it's Dunsky's. I think Hawks are closing it out in Game Five. So uh, 
Williams doing this one then? I'm, yeah, I'm pivoting. I'm, I'm pivoting. I'm jumping off Tibbs and I'm going to say it's going to be the only silverware that the Suns are taking home this season with uh, the coach getting coach of the year. It's good enough for me, honestly. And uh, of course, the big one, MVP, uh, Steph Curry, Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. I Let's can't make pick. this one quick. Joker. Let's make this one quick. It's, it's Jokic. Full stop. I want to say Jokic. I think Curry could snatch it. No. Nah. No, not not when you don't make the playoffs. It's unheard of, unheard of, and they did not make the playoffs. Westbrook did it, but they did they not make the eighth no, seed? No. <laughs> well, it's, uh, that's the MVP that everyone regrets. <laughs> that's the MVP that people are like. Okay, he he tricked us. He did the triple double, and we thought that that was cool, but it wasn't. <laughs> Time will tell if that is uh, one that they will live to regret. But yeah. we will move straight on. You have a new game, Jono, once again. I do. I haven't got a, a jingle for this one because I don't think we're going to do it more than once. But um, Brendan, since we're not doing shoot from the hip, hit us with that uh, that sweet... That... All right. Thank you. Got to just got to shoehorn it in any way you can. Yeah, you? exactly. Um, so I was just watching the 30 for 30 on Disney Plus about Christian Leitner. I hate Christian Leitner. Have you guys seen this? No. No. No, so one of the most hated uh, players in college history. Also, one of the most talented and and awesome college basketball players. But uh, that's a different point. He was such a villain, you know. Everyone loved to hate him. And I was thinking this week about some of the heroes and villains in the NBA. You know, there's been heel turns. I said this was wrestling related, and we've, <laughs> we've seen like LeBron. You know, he went full heel when he went to Miami, and then he. I was just uh, watching Double or Nothing today, so this makes perfect sense. And then he like he had he went back to Cleveland, and you know, then you have like KD came in as the golden boy, and then he went to the Warriors, and he thought everyone was going to love him, but we all weren't quite sure what he was he was doing, and he turned into a bit of a, a heel there. And it just made me think about like the way that players take on personas, especially with Trey Young, like living it up as the the villain in uh, the Knicks series, especially in those New York games. So I'm going to run them. through. <laughs> say, it's quiet up here. here. Yeah, it's yeah. quiet here. Yeah, <laughs> it's. Uh, I want to run through some players who are a little bit more polarizing to see whether you think that they are a hero or a villain. A heel okay. or, or a baby face. So I'm going to start off with Russell Westbrook. There's been times where he's very clearly, to me, been the heel, where he just like loves to be abrasive and unlikable. But when he plays so well at certain points, it's hard to... It's hard to hate, and I'm not sure where he stands. So, what do you have for uh, for Russ, hero or villain? He's definitely a heel. He is the the uh, like the Greenwich bloody Connecticut blue blood Triple H when he first came in. Where, <laughs> Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Yeah, he because he all he cares about is padding his own stats. So he's going to jump mm. over his own teammates to get a rebound or, or do a dish or you know shoot from ridiculous areas because he's worried about number one. So he's one of those. Uh, snooty yeah. uh you know highbrow hoity-toity heel so he's definitely a heel for me i like that one i because I, I never liked the way that he was in media conferences the way that he responds Very to, abrasive. to questions yeah. yeah but then i at the same time I, I do like the way that he doesn't take any crap from heckling fans which i guess can be a heel thing but he's kind of standing up to racists and and bigots and stuff so he, he has got some good qualities and you know i guess i should say at this point 
it's re- in the real world things are never quite as simple as hero or villain but we're just doing this for fun because you know yeah. it's fun when you watch basketball to have someone to root against and to 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 hate and to oh that guy just gets me uh, the next one's. I didn't guy... get to say mine. Oh, well, I thought we were all in, in agreement. What do you think? Well, I'm. Well, I was literally going to say. Obviously, there's the term in wrestling that uh, someone could be a tweener, which is mm, in between yeah. heel and face. He kind of verges on that. Obviously, as Brendan was saying, his stat padding and sort of ball hogging style um, lends itself to being a a, a heel. But uh, you know, if you if you are a casual fan or or someone who you know, is a neutral watching his games. He's very explosive, very fun to watch. So it's like, technically, you could go either way with it. So yeah. I'd say he's in the middle for me. Okay. So a similar guy for different reasons and some similar reasons, Kyrie Irving. Oh. I feel like he's 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 walked an interesting path this year where he's done things that people have been very quick to jump on. But then when you hear him talk about it, it's like, okay, like, I, I can't fault that. Like, you know, you're looking after your own mental health. Like, that's a plus. That's a good thing, um, you know. But then he's just said some crazy stuff and there's a bit of a, a, a vibe about him too. I'm, I'm going heel, I think, for Kyrie. But what yeah. do you guys think? I, I think I'm thinking heel. Like, I think the the lack of loyalty that he has shown to pretty much every team that he's played for um in wrestling like most heels are normally um like some of them will be like lone wolves and will be like you know if they're in a, t- a team or a tag team they're the ones who normally are the ones to, to break it off or, or or put the put the boot in so to speak so i think the way that he's treated not only the Cavs and the celtics um and and just the way that he's sort of handled that has been really poor so i definitely say heel this is a tough one. This is a tough one because, like, um, he's got some heel tendencies, but then he's also got some some face tendencies where you want to, like, some of the things he says and that come out of his mouth are just so ridiculous. You kind of want to cheer for him because <laughs> he's so bizarre. So, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put him in the in the same vein as like the boogeyman, where he's just some crazy parody <laughs> character. He might not be eating worms, but he's you know saying some very unique. Uh, opinions and and what a reference thoughts on uh, you know the greater world and and how things are. So I don't know what you'd classify the, the boogeyman as. Uh, somewhere in between, you know, he's a bit a bit of a tweener because uh, mm. he's not a pure heel, not a pure face, but he's just one of those mythical characters. You know, the boogeyman, <laughs> Undertaker, Doink the Clown. You put them all in, in the middle, the clown. You know, <laughs> chuck them all in there with Kyrie. That's where Kyrie ends up. Okay. I'm changing the name of this game from hero or villain to heel or face. Kyrie Irving, the clown. (laughs) Um, This guy is a tough one for opposite reasons where it's the lack of, of, you know, sound bites and and that kind of thing. Kawhi Leonard, do you see him as the heel or the face? You know, we don't get a whole lot of his motivations. He doesn't talk about his thoughts and his feelings. He's kind of a Tim Duncan-esque kind of statue out on the floor. But then he's had the big things of like, you know, leaving San Antonio, winning a ring for the Raptors, but then leaving the Raptors. And, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, where do you think he sits? <sighs> I'd, like, I'd like to, as a Raptors fan, say he's a heel for what he did to my beloved <laughs> Torontonians. But 
I think he's more like a Kevin Owens, a Steve Steve Austin, where like Kevin Owens, he's just fighting for a paycheck, you know? He's yeah. just doing what he can for his family. Mm. He's coming in, you know, fight on fight and everything like that, kill on kill from back in the day. But, it reminds um, me of one of those wrestlers that doesn't really have a gimmick. They just come out and they just fight. Yeah, he's just he, a blue collar everyman. Bask- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's his basketball do the talking. That's exactly what I was thinking. And that sort of reference to like Steve Austin, just like has no gimmick, just gets in, does his work and gets out. But people seem to love him for it. Yeah. I'm, I can understand your, your, your reticence to, to really mark him as a face for what he did to Toronto. But I think he's just that sort of guy who just wants to get in and do his work. I'm thinking face. All right. Rudy Gobert. Oh, <laughs> definitely a heel just for his COVID yeah. antics alone. Making fun of COVID and touching all the microphones and doing all that nonsense before the uh, the initial yeah. COVID situation. He's he's here all day for me. That was a that was a that was a tough one because he did all that stuff in a light hearted manner where he was kind of trying to lighten the scenario situation, and then he just became like public enemy number one. It was like you're the reason the season got cancelled. And I think we've learned enough about COVID since then to say like hey this would have happened like the next day or the day after Mm. if it wasn't rudy it could have been like bam or you know like westbrook or it could have been anyone in the nba really but he just it was bad timing yeah i i think i think he's i guess he's more of like a comedy face or or (laughs) or someone who has just you know had that sort of bad luck put on him um you know genuinely seems like a great guy but yeah just that one moment of you know, a, a brain fart has really hurt him, but no. yeah, I don't. I don't think he's generally a bad guy. So he's yeah, a, he's a heel. He's... he's got a very limited move set. He's got a few things that he does over and over. You know, that flop this week too was the flop, <laughs> the flop, the out of bounds flop. Yeah, you know, you know, terrible. you know, if he if he was in WWE, he'd be the one waving a French flag and be like, oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I like, hate Americans. He's like a less talented. Uh, God, what was his... I'm having a mention. Rene Dupree. Yeah, yeah. But I was also thinking... What, Miro? What was Miro's name in the WWE now? Rusev. Yeah. He's like he's like Rusev, but with a with a much more boring moveset. And, and I don't know. I guess he's equally as agile. But anyway, yeah. Definitely heel. Hmm. Definitely heel for me. Okay. Jimmy Butler. Heel. <laughs> he... Oh, he... For, I, yeah. He for me is like... He's like Kenny Omega right now. Like he's the heel you love to hate. No way. He's heel rock. Like peak heel rock <laughs> where he's just trash talking everybody. He thinks he's better than everybody. He doesn't have a funky eyebrow. He's got some funky overpriced coffee. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Jimmy Butler's heel rock. Jimmy Butler is a face to me, but he's the kind of like anti-hero. Like, what, <laughs> oh, he's your <laughs> Steve Austin, you reckon? Yeah. He's more of a stone cold where like, He's he's acting like you would have traditionally thought would be like the villainous way to act, but it just rubs off on me as oh, I love this guy, like his way or the highway sort of thing. Yeah, he's like he just wants to you know as the, as no dunks say like he just wants to play hard and be the man, and he he you know the what what he did to the Timberwolves, it was like you could easily look at that and go that's a heel move, but he was totally right about that team like. He was he was right to get out of there because they didn't want to play hard like he did. And look where, where it got him. He got him to the finals. And um, 
into a better scenario. So I, I think Jimmy Butler is in like very likable when he's actually playing on the court, mm. which counts for a lot. And he might say some arrogant things, but so did like a babyface version of The Rock. So I've got him more of, of that kind of uh, edgy, kind of gritty face. No, heel all day. <laughs> <laughs> what did you have for that one, Tilby? Yeah, I, I I said he was like a yeah. a likable heel, so okay, you know he sure. he he was acting pretty shittily, but you know there was there's <laughs> elements to him that you could be like, okay, I can respect that. Sure. What about Ben Simmons? Oh, massive! He's like babyface. Oh, no, he's he's nothing because he's a boring personality. <laughs> he's. I think if you're an Australian, it's it's the thing like you just want to cheer for your guy no matter what. But I don't know about him because, like you said, Brendan doesn't have a really strong personality but then there's the whole anti ben simmons movement about how he doesn't shoot threes so there's people who like think he's overrated and that kind of thing so i don't know it's a tough one i i I sort of feel like do you remember when john cena had that whole rise above hate sort of theme about him he was just like everyone was booing him and everyone just hated him and he's just like I don't care i'm gonna keep being me and, and doing that that's exactly what's happening to ben simmons ever since he stepped foot in the NBA. So I'm thinking like he's he's a baby face. He's like the opposite of, of Jimmy Butler. He's a baby face despite everyone else kind of hating him. <laughs> nah, he's he's Dean Malenko. He's a tactician. <laughs> he's He's got a thousand submission holds and a hell of a defender, but boring as hell, like no personality, but on the court, he's one of the best, like one of the best, best um, you know, wrestlers or basketball players on the mm. court. He can defend one through five. He's got limited offense, just like Malenko did, but he could defend like no one's business. So uh, excellent put, um, He put Cat in that chokehold last year. Remember that's too. That's true. <laughs> that's very true. All right, this one's interesting because there's been a couple of turns. James Harden. Where is he now? At the start of the season, big time heel. Um, you know, out of shape, wasn't trying, was saying all the wrong things in press conferences quit on the Rockets and similar to, to Blake Griffin minute he turns up in Brooklyn suddenly is a new person so do you have him as the heel or the face he's Rey Mysterio like great offense makes an entertaining match but no one really cares so much about him and I'm like yeah I'll cheer you you're fun you're enjoyable you're very talented in the ring or on the court mm. but I don't feel strong enough either way for him anymore to say yep you're a heel or yep you're a face you're just a very, very talented performer, hell of a baller, but I don't know what to put him in now because, yeah, like he's no drama in Brooklyn, no drama, yeah. no... No drama yet. Yeah, no controversy, yeah. <laughs> no no big headlines, no, no murmurs of him being out of the rippers in Brooklyn, none of that. Like, it's just he's on the court balling out and, yeah, so I'm, I'm just going to say he's... He's a great tactician. He is Rey Mysterio. He's he's got the six one nine and uh, you know some sweet moves and what have you. But yeah, he's just a dude to me now. Just a dude. Yeah, I, I guess he's, he's missed some time, so I haven't really seen him play a lot in Brooklyn. But there was a huge anti James Harden movement from a entertainment perspective because of the way that he played for fouls and would you know get half of his. 30 points at the free throw line and embellish things and, and tr- you know, had his 
his moves that looked like a travel and is it a travel is it not a travel so there's definitely people that didn't enjoy the pacing of watching a rockets game when he was there and would have seen him as a as a bit of a villain for that but i think in brooklyn as kind of uh you know a 1b or a 1c with Kyrie and hart uh, and and kd it's a bit more palatable to to put up with with him if you aren't the biggest fan so i think he's you know, it might depend on how the, the Nets play out the playoff series, but I think he's on his way to being the, the face again. Mm, I, I, I've almost, like, it's almost like that that team, that, that big three is like the Legion of Doom plus one, yeah. almost. <laughs> like, you, you want to hate them, like, just for what they've done in their previous sort of, like, careers and, and where they've been and, and all that sort it's of like stuff. like the NWO. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, like, they're, they're such a entertaining flashy team but it's like you can't help but but love them like they are probably in my opinion they're tweeners uh that big three in in brooklyn but like yeah for harden they especially what he was doing in in houston was definitely heel worthy but yeah he's he's moved slightly back up the uh the positive meter for me and he's he's definitely a tweener i think okay cp3 um Take your take your son's hat off because it's you know if it's your guy then if it's your team even if it's you know even if it's uh, like uh, the Morris twins or whatever you're gonna back them when they're on your team but if you're well, against them well for me like even even without that son's hat on I'm saying face like he's the vet he's like the I would have like Brendan made that Dean Malenko uh, comparison like he's he's the guy who's leading the pack and, and is capable of just getting in there every night. And I wouldn't say putting on a flashy show, but he's the one making things happen. So I, see, I see him more as the triple H when he was the heel. Cause he's, really? yeah, he's like the corporate guy. He's like the players association president. And he's always, okay. complain, he's always complaining to the refs and he's telling the refs that guy's got his shirt untucked. That's a tech foul. And he's like telling on people and, and he's like yelling at his teammates and people don't really seem to like playing with him that much. Like he basically was ab- abrasive enough to, to blow up that Clippers situation. So I don't know. Like I think being like he's had, he's had a turnaround is, is the big thing is that he's been so good in OKC and Suns in turning these franchises into decent teams or good teams that that's the best thing going for him as a face, but as a personality, I feel like, I feel like he's. I don't know. It's a tough one. I think he's. I think he might be the heel. He's a heel Brendan. for me, definitely yeah. for the exact things you said. <laughs> like he's whinging and complaining, and just his heel-like tactics. Like he's like, it's like the Miz. You know, he's just uh, you know <laughs> bitching and complaining and using whatever underhanded things he can to get the leg up. And he's had some moments of brilliance in his career. Uh, you know, you might not like the Miz very much, but you can't deny he's talented and made a hell of a career out of the the skill set he has. Like the Miz isn't the biggest guy, like like Chris Paul, but uh, he he knows how to work. He knows how to put on a good match or a good game. And yeah, you you get all these whingy warts with it, where he does play yeah the, the corporate villain. And uh, yeah, definitely definitely heal for me. You're pulling out all so right. many excellent references. I love it. <laughs> We've got two left and then we're done. So the next one's probably a bit clearer. Draymond Green. Oh, massive heel. 
like absolutely I think, he's, I think he is a heel but he's also one of those heels where like chris jericho they come out and you're like oh what's he gonna say like he's gonna be entertaining he's a he's an entertaining heel yeah, yeah. like i do agree that comparison's very good like jericho was always that guy who's like you hate him but it's like what's what is he going to do now and what sort of trouble always followed him is probably the best way to say it and and he was always he was always funny regardless of whether he was yeah guy or a bad guy always very outspoken very charismatic so draymond fits that pretty well i think he's a very he's a he's a heel but he's a very entertaining one yeah, I think the Jericho comparison's perfect too. Especially like if Draymond comes out next season, hits somebody with a laptop, you know, you know it's bang <laughs> on the money even more. But yeah, I'm yeah. I'm very happy with the Y2J, uh, you know, Lionheart. Y2Dre. Oh, see, it oh, writes itself. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it writes itself. That's perfect. There's our yeah. there's our episode title right yeah. there. Y2Dre. Did you see him on Inside the NBA? He's going to be such a great analyst when he's done. Yeah. He's he's almost, he's like um. He's a more thoughtful, like Kevin Garnett, yeah. in a lot of ways. Where he's yeah, he's got a level of insight. He doesn't have to like drop five f bombs in a sentence <laughs> to express. He's himself. a very smart man, and he sees the game in such a great way. So yeah, I, I agree. Mm. Once once his playing career's over, he'll yeah slip right into ESPN or TNT or wherever they pick him up. Yeah. Okay. The last one, very polarizing guy. I had to go with LeBron James. Is he a face or a heel? He's, he's had many masks over the years, but um, which one's he wearing right now? He's a, he's a face, I think. Like, probably would have been good if we I had this list and could think and mull it over beforehand, yeah. but I guess that's this part is, of the beauty of I wanted, these segments I wanted too. you shooting from the hip for this one. Yeah. He's like... He's the undertaker. You know, like he's he's at the back end of his career at the moment, but he's still getting up. He might not have the undefeated streak at WrestleMania mm. anymore, but he's still got that mysticism about him and he's still a superstar and there's so many dream matches to be had and whatnot, but he still can he can still can go and, and pull out the moves and he's got the theatrics with the flops and the dramatics like The Undertaker does. Like he's a showman. Like yeah. The Undertaker, like yeah, I'm 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 saying more like obviously Taker can go down that heel route as well, but I'm saying saying face because I oh, I think he's been talking this week about how much he hates LeBron James. Here's the so thing: is- I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a, a, an interesting comparison. I think he's he's obviously a heel. Um, he's he's Brock Lesnar. <laughs> right. Okay, big guy comes into a franchise, does what he needs to do leaves gets his own way acts mm. like he's the biggest thing in the room and just is he'll he'll grab a match or a game by the scruff of the neck and make sure it's all about him and you know he's he's got those theatrics in him so he can definitely work well with other basketball slash wrestlers but yeah he's definitely the guy who's like this is all about me i'm coming in to do a job and mm loyalty is nothing to me like in, in obviously the but he went back move, to cleveland he won a championship say, for his home team that's not where he is now though and yeah. then he immediately just you know pissed <laughs> he off paid so. his dues and and he puts on quality games every time unlike lesnar who mails it in for the paycheck he'll come in do 12 german suplexes and three f5s and he's like aces catch you later but that's the that's the the mystique about him 
You know, you don't know what you're going to get. So sometimes he might yeah. put on a, a classic five star, but at the end you of the day, have, you guys have both made very convincing arguments. So I'm going to be the the tiebreaker here. <laughs> I, I personally, I think I personally see him as a face because I want him to. So there's some sick part of me that wants him to win because I want to witness greatness. Um, but at the same time, he plays for the Lakers. And if you're not a Lakers fan, then you like are meant to automatically hate them because they're like just that team. Like they're the Celtics. The model. The eternal <laughs> super team. Yeah. Like they're yeah, always up and, there. And, you know, yeah. And he's got the whole clutch sports thing and he's, you know, pulling strings. He's the coach. He's the man- general manager of the team. I think he's a, f- a heel, but... He's just so good that it's like ah, but he's too, he, you just can't help like wanting to see. He's like, like, like AJ Styles, you reckon he's he's that good an operator, even if he is the face. I mean, the heel you got to respect. He's in ring talent. I mean, I, to me, it's like Kurt Angle because that that's my guy. Where he was the, always like the heel, but I always wanted him to win anyway because I just wanted. I just thought he was that damn good, and I just wanted to see him in the in the you know the big matches so. i i definitely thought that that heel triple h comparison probably fit lebron a little better given mm. all of his like you know off the court sort of stuff and how he's obviously going to become a, a businessman or a figurehead you know post playing career but you know i can understand it i think if we're comparing yeah. the two alpha and omegas it's face lebron heel jordan that's that's where it is for me in the grand scheme of things that's how i see it as far as the for the heavyweight championship Ooh. it's face lebron heel jordan here's how I we end, end the debate we get them in a wrestling ring <laughs> aew book it money absolute money <laughs> they're both in space jam though so how can you be a heel when you're in space jam like you're playing with bugs bunny you gotta be he'll put bugs face. bunny through a table in space jam too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I think it depends on whether you just like him or not. Well, it's, it's such a hard. Is, it's, this is why we're playing the game because it's so yeah, hard to define. Absolutely, but uh, we'll have to open it up to listeners and see what they think. See if they can come up with some uh, excellent comparisons, like we have been here. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it. thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to this bumper episode of uh, hoop dreams we hope you've been enjoying the playoffs as much as we have um, and of course if you uh, have any comments queries questions concerns or complaints you can always do so with the hashtag hoop dreams you can follow what we're all doing over at 8-bit at we are 8-bit and uh, anything else from anyone Nah, not at all just uh yeah be be kind to one another don't be racist don't spit at people and throw bottles mm. just just be good people don't be dicks Life's pretty and simple. Donate to our uh, Kofi page, ko-fi.com forward slash we are 8-bit and uh, you'll get access to some extra little goodies, including our Is This Thing On that we've just recorded previously and we talk about some, uh, I guess, some spending habits of ours. So it was always a lot of fun. But uh, Brendan, where can people follow you? Follow me on them socials at Brendan8bit and uh, just everywhere. You, you plug that Brendan8bit in most uh, search engines. I'm going to pop up, good, bad, or otherwise, and uh, you know, give me a follow. Say good day. Excellent. And uh, Jono? Yeah, you can catch me at Jono himself. There's a bunch of uh, podcasts coming out, whether it's 
uh, video game book club. We're covering Mass Effect this week on the Hungry Gamers feed, or there's Comedy Rewind that's just hit with uh, Ali watching Bedazzled. We've got episode 50 coming up soon. Got episode 150 of Putting in Work coming up soon. So it's all happening. Just follow me at Jono himself, and I'm sure you'll you'll catch what I'm up to. Excited to hear that one, Jono. And of course, you can always Thank follow you. me over on them socials at It's Tilby. But from me, Matt Tilby, Brendan White, and Jono Peck, it is goodbye for now. Take care. Keep dreaming. Oh, yeah. Nothing means nothing. Nothing. <laughs>